The following town hall was originally recorded on Thursday, August 6th via Zoom. Hello, everybody. Nice to see you tonight. Um, I wanted to thank you all again for making the time to attend another town hall. And who knew what a, a series of town halls we would be having, um, or for those who are going to be listening at a later date on the podcast. So just to be clear, we are recording tonight's podcast or tonight's town hall. So by staying on the call, you are cool with being recorded. All right, we have many questions to get through tonight in the next hour. I grouped them by categories as best as I could, and I have actually invited some other people uh, to join me in answering some of the questions. Uh, I'm going to look at my notes a lot because I printed stuff up, and then I've added a lot since I've been home. So before we dive in, I just want to say that in all of our planning work, our challenge is to translate our Montessori pedagogy in so many new ways, from how, to, how we deliver our curriculum with new health rules when in person, how we, how we can be online in ways that limit screen time or online what we know about good child development and provide as much authentic hands-on experience as possible to how to build community with students and with you and with each other when we cannot gather. This has been our summer work and we will continue to refine it. I appreciate these opportunities to share um, what we've been up to, and to make sure that we're heading in the right direction with your thoughtful feedback. So to start, um, I do want to introduce our new MSD nurse, Chris Bowman. Um, in all of my history, we have never had a nurse on our staff. We've always worked with consultants through children or had a part-time person that spends their time but never had a dedicated nurse. And in the olden days, pre-many regulations, we sometimes just worked with parents in this capacity. So as I said in my letter yesterday, Chris comes with us with much knowledge and experience, over 32 years of it. And we, I just feel so lucky we are to have her join us. And Chris, do you want to say a quick hello and a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, hear me okay? Yeah, we can hear you great. Okay. I haven't done this too many times as far as... I surprised her with an email. I was like, hey, Chris, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I'll start out first that, you know, I've been a nurse a total of 35 years. Three of those years was in pediatric um care in a hospital and then I switched to school nursing and I've done that for 32 years um you know with um school nursing we use more of a preventative health model and to promote wellness in our children than we do an acute care model um I'm really excited about working with the staff and the families and the students at MSD um I think that together we will all work hard and diligently to keep your children safe and healthy during these changing times of COVID-19. Um, I look forward to meeting the families at MSD whenever that's possible. <laughs> and I would just like to also say to the families, please feel free to call me if you have any concerns or questions related to your child's health. I will be at MSD every morning um, and can be reached by telephone. So I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, Chris. So yeah. Chris does have an email address as well, nurse at msd-cc.gov. Uh, 
healthco.org. She's going to start her day a little bit early, so she'll have a time to review the health um, questions that you submit ahead of time. So if there's anybody that we need to do follow-up on. So um, that's Chris. So thanks, Chris. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Uh, her, for, her first day is on Monday, so she's jumping in quick early. So anyway. So there were several questions submitted regarding health procedures that I just want to go ahead and answer now. Uh, question one, why isn't MSD doing the temperature checks themselves? If MSD will not be doing temperature checks, will the teachers at least all have thermometers in the classroom so they can immediately check temperatures as needed? So having students arrive onto campus with a temperature, um, even if they do not enter the campus gates, poses a risk for us. So keeping them, stopping them at home or stopping them from getting out of the car actually helps our staff stay safer and mitigates risk for us all, which is why we're asking you to do those at home um, before you leave. Now, obviously, um, and I was, there's a, well, there's a follow-up question about Wi-Fi. You can actually answer the health screening questions starting at 7 a.m. So you're going to get prompted about that time. So when you're at home, you can answer those before you even pull out of the driveway. And I'd actually recommend you do that because you want to make sure your child doesn't have a temperature before you get in the car. You need to really check that. You can't just do the mom thing with your wrist. Um, so do that before you pull out of your driveway. And then, of course, we will take temps if we think a student is hot when they get to school or during the school day. And we also have the capability to do spot checks. And for this, the procedure is that the teacher will call the nurse or another office member over to take the child's temperature in the classroom so the child doesn't have to travel out. The nurse or the staff member can assess the child's temperatures and symptoms to determine if they need to be sent home. And at that moment, they will collect the child's belongings and bring them over to the isolation area in the welcome center to wait for parent pickup. The isolation area is actually the office space just across from me. It's actually mild office space. So that will be the MSD isolation area, um, also where the nurse will be housed. Um, we also have eight touchless thermometers uh, that we're currently able to distribute to classrooms. And we can obviously get more if we feel like we need it. All right. Questions regarding required COVID positive notifications to the school, consequences for not quarantining when one should, and disagreement with my email yesterday about mandatory testing are next. Um, here is one example of um, kind of that category. I'm concerned that students may come to school and not be symptomatic themselves, but still be contagious due to contact with infected family members. Would you consider changing requirements for student attendance to include that the student and all family members are free of any COVID-19 symptoms that are listed in the guidebook unless sick family members have already been evaluated by a medical provider and diagnosed with another condition? So I'm just gonna say, so obviously MSD is in the school business um, and we're gonna continue to seek out and rely on the appropriate experts and regulatory bodies to guide us and they're all listed in the guidebook um, to make our decisions around health and safety um, because they're really the people that have the best knowledge um, and, can and, the and the data to guide us. Um, you should know that the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment and others, including Children's Hospital, seem to be updating their rules weekly. Um, and this includes the symptoms that require school exclusion. So what is currently in the guidebook is going to, con is going to keep being adapted and updated. Um, 
So we're going to continue to do the same with our thinking. Uh, Chris will now be part of these decisions, so please stay tuned. And once again, I'm just going to keep saying this flexibility will remain key. This holds true for wanting more clarity on what happens in various scenarios, including having sick family members. Um, Ashley, I think, is, has updated the symptom flowchart 200 times um, based on new guidance and new emails we are getting. She's a master at this. We will include the newest version we have when we, um, we're going to be updating the guidebook in the next week or so. Our next timeline is we're updating the parent and employee handbook, um, and those are all due on Monday internally. What I will say is the answer to what the school is going to be doing is what they tell us we need to be doing on August 25th when we open. So that's still three weeks away. So there's a lot of time when they might change their mind about what symptoms need to be excluded from school and what the different scenarios require. So we're just going to have to stay fluid in that um, as we know more. So I can't give a definitive answer there. All right, next question is, uh, my question is regarding how the color codes, green, yellow, orange, red, are determined. Since the entire prevention and mitigation strategies will depend on that level status, I was wondering what numeric metrics the school is using to determine low infection numbers, increasing infection numbers, moderate numbers, et cetera. For instance, I wonder if we are at yellow or orange level when the infection rate is 1.2, like we were two days ago when they submitted this. Uh, we are actually close to finalizing a COVID-19 operations level decision memo for making these exact decisions, which will be based on both internal and external factors. Um, internal factors include uh, things like computed community compliance um, on our health procedures, as well as um, infections within our community and external factors which will include the rate of disease in the communities that we live in, both students and faculty. Uh, for this, we're going to use the Denver Public Health's COVID-19 caution metrics. Denver Public Health is the health department for the city and county of Denver and collaborates with the Denver Department of Health and Environment. So we feel like we're just going to go with Denver's rules because that's where the school is. Those will be our metrics. Their caution metrics, just so you know that this is all the data that they pulled from to make these, are COVID-19 cases in Denver County, laboratory test positivity percent for Denver County, persons hospitalized with COVID-19 in the North Central Region, and ICU hospital capacity in the North Central Region. So I will share this memo when it is complete. Who knew I'd be writing such a memo in my life? Um, but I've got some good people helping me with that work, and it will have some specificity on when we move. It, the, the trick, it seems to me, is really between yellow and orange, that that feels a little bit more nuanced than the others. So we need to drill down a little bit more on what the data should look like when we make that call. So stay tuned, but that is in the works. Uh, question, if we need to quarantine for family reasons but don't want to be home for the semester, is that possible, i.e. high-risk grandparents visiting? And yes, I like grandparents, so yes, let's keep them all safe as possible. Um, the caveat is, yes, if you've already been attending school, you can stay home for a short period of time and then return. We are asking families uh, to commit to either start in person or online. Parents can opt to go online at a later point, but then if you do this, you do have to stay out until winter break. And so those two weeks at winter vacation, you cannot start online and then decide to come back until winter vacation. Why, you ask? Not to make life hard on you, but 
phase in of students um, is a very thoughtful and deliberate process, no matter the school year. And it's especially important this year as we could everybody kind of resituated and used to new rules and how we do things. Um, the goal is to lay a foundation for a positive collaborative learning community. And this is why we're requiring families to commit to staying at home once they make this choice through the first semester. We cannot have transient populations as much as possible to give some consistency and safety um, to the kids, emotional safety. In January, we will do the transition work to welcome people back who are ready to return. I will say this has a huge asterisk next to it because it really depends on kind of what the conditions are out there. We might have another transition in November if we've had to go to all at home learning. So transitions will be done thoughtfully, but they're going to have to be very kind of deliberate starting points in the school year. Uh, question, I am wondering if children, families who are attending MSD in person, but stay home for a few days or weeks due to symptoms or proactively choose to quarantine due to exposure or possibility of exposure, et cetera. Will those children families have access to remote learning during that time at home? I'm hoping the answer is yes. Good news. As it will help incentivize parents to keep their children home for mild symptoms or, or a possibility of exposure because they will see it still be the opportunity for the child to receive some learning. I will have toddler and primary students this year, and I imagine there being quite a few days they need to stay home due to a runny nose or other things that in the past um, they would attend school despite the symptom, but this year will be necessary to keep them home. I'm hoping there will be some opportunity for online learning during such circumstances. Also, if families or family members have traveled, they may be more likely to keep kids out of school for a period of time if online learning is available to them while they voluntarily quarantine. And the answer is yes, like I said. Um, online will be an option definitely in these scenarios because I agree that we want to incentivize and make as attractive as possible staying at home when you need to stay home. So we will keep that going and that's just something that we'll have available for you. So this definitely seems like a good point to cover all the questions regarding distance learning. Um, I compiled them all this morning and sent them to the different education directors. Uh, they are all going to, uh, they are going to each give you an overview of their programs and hopefully answer some of your specific questions submitted on this topic in what they're covering. Before they start, another word about Montessori. I know, again with the Montessori with me. There are some schools that are not attempting to offer in-person as well as some distance support to any family who feels like it is the best option, no matter the reason. Instead, only if his child has a demonstrated medical need. We believe the ability to make individual choices about schoolwork is part of our philosophy, and it seems like it holds true in this scenario. Working from home or school is a new choice. We're going to do our very best to give you more details tonight and know that we won't know everything until we're actually here doing it. So, Anne, why don't you take it from here? Okay. I'm just going to give you a brief overview of what um, the, the distance learning task force has kind of come up with as general guidelines around how we're looking at distance learning, um, especially this opt-in model, which is um, different because we have teachers who are going to be working with students in the classroom and also still responsible for the learning that's happening 
at home. So um, it's, you know, distance learning, first of all, is, is we're taking into account all the things we learned last year about what worked and what didn't work and what sort of worked. Um, we took your feedback, which we really appreciate, and we're working hard to streamline this model as much as possible um, and hope that our new approach is more predictable, consistent, and provides a meaningful learning experience and greater classroom connection for students who are learning from home. Um, the goal of the opt-in distance learning model will be to provide an opportunity for families to choose to learn from home or safely learn while quarantining, while in-person learning is also happening on campus. There are common elements of distance learning for all the program levels that I will speak to, and then each of us, Rachel, Carrie, and I can speak more in-depth about specifics for our programs. Uh, first, I want to say out loud that it's important to keep in mind that we've never done this before, the simultaneous in-person and distance learning. So we will need to be open to, pivot, to continuing to pivot, um, which we've become so good at. We're such good pivoters um, as we learn more about what is and isn't working. Um, it's really hard to predict just how well the technology that we've purchased and that we're planning on using will work. Um, difficult to know how engaged students will be on classroom Zoom and specials lessons, um, how independent students will be able to be on assignments and work given to them. Um, and mostly we're really grateful for this extended phase in schedule that we created, uh, which will give us some time that we need to test some of these elements and course correct as needed. It is important that we keep in mind the amount of time that students at home are looking at a screen. So that's something that we are always keeping in mind. Um, and also be mindful of the additional work that this will be for our classroom teachers to manage. Um, these along with pretty much all other factors of our proposed plans will need to be kept in our sites as we work toward the most optimal solutions. So for now, our plan for all levels includes the utilization of swivel cameras in the classroom for direct instruction and circle, morning circle and line time, morning meeting times. Um, these cameras, I don't know how much you know about them. I have learned some about them and I'm excited to learn more. Um, the idea is that you can set up the camera in the classroom and it will follow the teacher around. Um, and the teacher will be mic'd as, as the swivel camera records what's going on with the teacher. It also interacts with Zoom so that students are not only just watching what's going on, but they can, they can actually interact with what's happening in the classroom. Um, so we haven't actually been able to play around with this technology yet. Um, we're very hopeful that this is going to um, help at-home learners feel connected to the classroom and continue to re receive instruction with their peers on a regular schedule. Uh, we will not be keeping these cameras on at all times. Um, we're going to use them intentionally for lessons and class meetings only. Um, for all levels, there will be a balance of instruction, whole class and small group, as well as independent work, um, as is age appropriate, and social interactions. Um, keeping, keeping that social connection, we understand and appreciate is very, very important part of the school day and we're gonna do our best to help students feel connected who are at home. Um, some element of work choice in their day is key. Uh, we Montessori people really believe that uh, maintaining choice um, in learning is absolutely fundamental to our students remaining empowered and engaged in their learning. 
Regular check-in opportunities with their teachers will be across the board. Uh, specials classes on a regular rotation for students who would normally be attending specials classes, which is kindergarten through middle school. Um, this year, this will also include social emotional learning as a special, as well as practical life, which we're really excited. And that's a new, um, a new addition to our specials program, which is pretty awesome. Um, we have questions around the feasibility of having uh, PE and library in particular over Zoom. So we're gonna to continue to explore that and, and make sure that we're making good choices there so that um, students are able to participate in specials best they can. We're also talking about a buddy system for students who are attending virtually um, where that is developmentally appropriate. Uh, probably doesn't work so well with toddlers, but um, this the idea here is that there's an at school student with whom the at home student is paired will make sure that the computer is set up, Zoom is on, and the student is able to kind of plug into what's going on in the classroom. So we're hoping this will provide a good leadership opportunity for the student at school and also um, relieve the teacher a little bit of having that extra element of making sure that technology is going okay and the student is plugged in. Um, again, it's important to keep in mind that we're working hard to develop plans that will support all of our students. Um, but this is a whole new way of teaching and connecting. So what we think will work is we're sitting here at our desks and planning away might necess not necessarily work um, just as we think it will, um, but we are committed to serving the needs and the families of MSD and hope that what we've designed is at least a really good starting place. So uh, Rachel, do you wanna start with toddler and primary? Sure, um, it is so nice to see so many names and faces. Um, and if I haven't met you already, I'm Rachel Northrup. I'm the Director of Early Childhood Education. And I get the privilege of working with the toddler and primary uh, children and families at MSD. So welcome to you guys. Um, so to jump in, for those of you who opt out and start the year as a virtual learner, um, our intent is to bring your child to the classroom virtually as much as we can and as much as uh, is appropriate. Uh, like Ann said, the cameras and the Zoom channels will not be open and on all the time um, to protect this privacy for the students and to ensure we're providing you know, a thoughtful experience for both learners on side of those populations, the at home and that school. Um, at home learners will be uh, invited and included in classroom line times. And these are typically beginning of a work cycle and the end of a work cycle, um, as well as lunch times if applicable. Um, especially or specifically for primary and kindergarten students, it is appropriate for them to actually have um, intentional daily Zoom lessons with their teacher and potentially, I don't know, a special guest like a kindergartner or something who's joining in to, to help with these lessons um, so that they can see some of their friends. Um, and these can either be one-on-one -on -one lessons or one to a few lessons, um, just kind of depends on what that group of virtual, virtual learners looks like. Um, and that would be scheduled during their regular work cycle at school. Um, let's see here. Uh, and this supports uh, or is connected to the lessons that are being uploaded to virtual classroom as well as the packet work that is going home and any needed materials for that. There will be one-on-one -on -one check-ins or office hours to assess a child's academic progress um, and to discuss any support needed or challenges or victories that your child is having. 
Um, we have actually hired a person to support and work closely with our teachers to lead the online and at-home content so that these lead teachers can continue to deliver their quality academics in class to those students as well as to those who are at home during the one-on-one -on -one lessons. Um, and our goal here is to have specific level work, so work that is intended for first year primary kids and second year primary kids and kindergartners um, so that their, their needs are being met. And all families will have access to these because it will be on the virtual uh, classroom as needed, as Julie pointed out. Um, I'm hopeful that we'll still be able to capture and share these moments of kids working in the classroom with you if they are at school through tr uh, Transparent Classroom, as well as having some more consistent updates and classroom blogs as to what's happening to keep you informed so that you can talk about it with your, your family and your, and your children. Um, this will all, of course, look a little bit different if and when we need to pivot to full distance learning. Pivot. We're good at pivoting, as Ann said. Um, and we're committed to continue to create a, an at-home academic packet and that corresponds with these materials that are uploaded and everyone has access to having one-on-one -on -one teacher check-ins and office hours to keep up on a child's academic progress and make those connections still. Uh, daily Zoom line times um, and lunches. Um, and really following your child's daily schedule as much as we can, um, as, well, as well as to continue support you and your, and your child. Um, also, for, as far as virtual classroom goes, you know, there could be content of teachers actually giving the lesson in class, doing the work so that you can actually see the how-to and the whys of certain aspects of lessons, so that'll be available to you all as well. Um, classrooms will be thoughtfully set up with di distancing and safety in mind, um, yet still honoring the child's needs uh, where they are. Each child will have their own, their very own special work rug. There's smaller class sizes. Uh, there will be a Montessori version of some assigned seating so that kids are keeping away from each other as best as we can. Uh, we have schedules and plans for disinfecting materials in classrooms daily as well as as often as needed. Um, children's belongings will be kept separate from others um, in sealed bags and in cupboards um, and we'll be utilizing our amazing campus as much as possible for our lessons and some other learning. Um, so just a little snippet there on that. So Anne, do you want to talk about lower L? Sure. Um, so lower and upper elementary, and I'm sorry I didn't introduce myself. I am Anne Hewitson. I'm the director of, of elementary education at MSD. Um, so elementary in many ways is going to replicate, the, the virtual learning is gonna replicate in many ways what happens during the school day. So like Rachel said, um, same thing, you know, students invited to morning meeting to start out their, their day um, in both lower and upper elementary, um, and then go into work period. And so work period um, will be, will consist of some independent work that we will be providing students uh, who are working from home. Students who opt in from the beginning of the semester will be given their kind of uh, year-long or semester-long uh, workbooks, packets, binders of work that they would normally be getting in the classroom. They'll be taking, the, they will have those at home. So they can work on those kinds of things during their independent work time and they'll be invited to lessons just as they would in the classroom. Again, using the swivel cameras and the Zoom to do that. Um, teachers will be able to check in with the students um, at least on a weekly basis. I know that teachers are anxious to check in with them much more than that. Um, we're trying to figure out the best way to schedule that in so that it's regular and consistent for students. Um, but they'll be seeing their teachers during their small group lessons at the, you know, 
at least. So in addition to that, at least one one-on-one -on -one check in throughout the week to make sure that they're on track and that they're working through their work plan um, efficiently and effectively. Um, there will also, our goal is to set them up um, with a weekly, the Friday before the week, to set them up with a weekly packet of, um, of whatever they might need to get through the, the following week. Um, that will include a schedule of their week, a work plan, and then whatever uh, work materials they're going to need for the following week. Um, we do have assistance support in elementary that can help the teachers with that um, work and make sure that that gets done on a weekly basis. Um, in order to help students remain engaged socially in the class, students at home are going to be invited to join lunch with classmates, um, actively participate in morning meetings, and um, even possible occasional recess times. I'm thinking of days when there's inclement weather and they could easily play a game or draw together on Zoom, um, stay connected that way. Another goal will be to have students working on projects in pairs or small groups throughout the semester. Um, if a cohort or the whole school has to transition to full remote learning, um, things actually become much simpler in many ways. All students will be on the same schedule, which will largely replicate the schedule that they have in school. Um, in elementary, because we have two teachers in each classroom, one teacher will be able to give small group instruction while the other teacher is hosting an open work cycle. Um, so that's essentially a teacher with their Zoom open and teachers or students are able to, to come into the Zoom and do independent work and ask questions as needed. Um, so I think that's all I have to say about distance learning at the elementary level. Carrie, take it away. All right, great. Hi, I'm Carrie. I'm director of, um, or Carrie Ross, <laughs> I have a last name, um, director of middle school education and I also teach history. Um, I think with middle school, it's, uh, it's a lot like um, elementary because we are able to replicate our day virtually um, pretty closely and the middle school students are so adaptable and uh, so so able to be flexible and manage themselves a little little bit better I hope <laughs> so what we have designed for our online options um, either if it's sick kids at home that need that want to still participate in school they're healthy they're quarantined whatever if they're just at home it's cool um, or opt-in learning or even if we go full-time distance it will be very similar uh, our schedule will be pretty much what we've always done in person learning uh, blocks of time in the morning for um, two academic classes a day and they rotate on a, a two-week schedule five-day rotation um, and giving them work time to do work with an open Zoom so the teachers can give lessons and provide uh, assistance as needed and also allow for the kids to collaborate in groups, small group or with partners. Um, so keeping connection is it's so tight in with middle school. Uh, anyways, they're such social little beings. So we want to offer everything virtually, but with the caveat that we don't, you know, we want to be mindful of screen time. So we will provide um, work that's individual or work projects over a semester um, and work with the students because I think they, they know what they need and we want to hear their voices and understand how they want to feel connected. Um, so balancing the screen time and supplementing it with some hands-on work is always a challenge for middle school. Um, anyways, because we, we I, I, these kids love screen time. So um, we will be really intentional about how we um, do some hands-on and more um, away from screen work. Um, 
let me look at my notes and make sure. Um, we have a platform called Schoology that we used for our first round of, of uh, online learning and we found it really useful. So we are gonna implement that into our uh, in-school learning. It's a way where the kids learn to get their assignments, submit the assignments, there are discussion boards, um, all kinds of places to post things. And so it's, it's uh, social, but it works really well for the academic and for our assessment needs. Um, so they'll be turning in their assignments this way while we are in class or even if we have kids distant learning you know and we provide hands-on materials to go home on a friday um, and they might return those so we'll have a mixture of that um, i think it's good kids still practice handwriting in our program and as well as um, losing their papers so um, we need we need to practice those skills as best we can too but be but be mindful that some of it's going to be um, electronic um, let's see, we will be doing the live classes. Um, so, so kids that are, have opted in or at home will see the live classes on the swivel. We'll record them as well. Um, let's see. And we'll do that for all, all classes, academic and our occupations in the afternoon and, and maybe specials as well, I believe. And we currently have four cohorts of students. Um, so we will, we will make sure that all of the kids that are distance learning are probably gonna be in the same cohort, if that makes sense for them. Um, and we'll allow them in class, because they're so social, to use Zoom appropriately uh, to collaborate. A lot of these kiddos like to have the screen open and just see faces and do their work independently. So um, we'll allow for that. And I think for safety reasons, you know, kids have to all face the same direction. So teachers will be able to make sure that nothing silly is going on because <laughs> we'll be able to see the screens. Um, Again, we're gonna do distance buddies. Um, we really love collaboration, so there will be a lot of partner and project work um, with small groups, large groups, um, mixed in with independent work as well. Uh, and another way to make connection for the kids is they are very familiar with online collaborative platforms like Google Docs, um, MS Notebook, PowerPoints. They're used to doing projects like that, or they will learn if they haven't. Um, and so they're very savvy with that kind of work and keeping that communication and connection to each other that way. Um, we don't have any specific chats, and I'm not a big fan of chats because um, they can really get off topic, but um, again, the, the Schoology offers discussion boards and that can be monitored and can be used at any time. Uh, as far as connections with, with the teachers, um, because we are in these four small cohorts, the classes are tiny enough to where we can give our lessons and still meet with students individually in class or online at that time. We will also have uh, various windows of time to meet with parents, parents and students preferably, or just students for check-ins and meetings, and that'll happen in the afternoons almost every day. I think there's a little bit of, of wiggle room there, but definitely three days a week. And then another way to keep in touch with parents and students is uh, we have an occupation class that is a student newsletter. So they they can't just focus on preteen, exciting preteen things. They need to have some uh, meaningful content there as well, telling the community what we are doing in middle school. So that will be provided probably bi-weekly or possibly monthly. We'll have to see how that goes. And we are working to incorporate virtual classroom and trying to pare down as much as we can. We might look at transparent classroom as well for photos and that kind of thing. So bear with us while we get our, our feet 
in on that. <laughs> and then as far as just going home, going full distance learning, if everyone goes, we will combine two cohorts. So we have two cohorts at a time rather than four for online. That will free up teachers for more one-on-one -on -one meetings um, and uh, available work block time. So um, we just really wanna make ourselves available to the kids for questions and, and for facilitating help for them. And I think that's about it. Thanks. Okay. Hello. That was a lot. So we are going to send you guys a follow-up document that'll spell out by the program level what the distance and full at home looks like. So you guys have some more. I wanted you guys to hear from all of those lovely ladies, what it looks like. So you can see kind of how thoughtfully it builds and it really needs to depend on what the program level looks like and what the kids are as to what we're going to deliver. So stay tuned. Um, there were a few more questions regarding schooling in person uh, that I'm going to kind of, I'm going to read them all and then we'll just kind of answer them in a group. So um, classes outside, is that too difficult with all the Montessori work or are there plans to have actual classes outside when possible? Question, I heard some reference to utilizing outdoor spaces. Can you please elaborate on these plans? Will there be dedicated spaces for each classroom? Will there be shelves with work outside or will the work be more limited? Will students still be wearing masks, especially if they're working within six feet of one another? For campus learning, can you confirm how much time each day the children will spend outside learning assuming no weather issues and i think andrew the short stick and has to answer all these questions now i'll do my best <laughs> so um first of all we have taken the entire campus and broken out every single possible work and play space that we can find we've put it on a big master grid um and so we will be scheduling different groups to be utilizing the different spaces throughout the week and the day. Some spaces will certainly be um, designated for a particular class to use, um, but others will be shared by many, like playground spaces and fields and things like that. Um, we've also purchased 15 new pop-up tents, shade tents, um, that we're hoping to use for some dedicated outdoor classroom space. Um, and so I know that teachers are, are looking forward to being able to bring their class, classes outside or a small group of students outside to give a lesson or to do some works that can be transported easily outside. Um, no, not every Montessori work is probably the best to be transported outside, but um, certainly many are very, very movable. I mean, they're all designed for students to be able to move them across classrooms, so there's no reason that they wouldn't be able to move them out, outside as well. Um, with the addition of everyone having their own work rugs that they can bring outside and work on those, it should make outdoor, outdoor learning um, pretty doable. Um, the goal would be that Yes, if you are able to create workspaces outside that are six feet apart, that students could take off their masks during that work time, um, which I think would also provide those mask breaks throughout the day. When we asked for questions from students about what they're wondering about for the school year, masks were certainly kind of top of the list of what, what kids are wondering about. And so I do think that finding ways to provide those breaks for them throughout the day is going to be 
a good thing. And certainly work outside outdoor work environments are one of those. Remember too that toddler and primary have outdoor work environments already dedicated to them. So they'll continue to utilize um, those spaces and can set those up with all kinds of fun things. So um, it's really good. How much time is really going to depend on the program and kind of what's on tap for that day, but we will be out and about. And I also just want to remind people now that that needlepoint bipolar, I, whatever it is, that the air filtration system we have replicates fresh air outside. So whether or not the kids are inside or outside, um, it should you know, be pretty much the same situation. I did have a question tonight about could I elaborate on that system? And the answer is no, I'm at my capacity of knowledge. I did share a video that, had not, that was um, about the system. So look in my previous email or my previous letters that are posted um, on BlackBot on virtual campus for that link if you wanna know more about how that system works. So that's going on too. Update is that we are gonna move forward with putting that air filtration system in the arts and athletics center in the welcome center we are kind of holding back on making that decision for a little bit but we're going to go ahead and proceed with doing that so we'll have that system in all the buildings which i like because now it'll be in my building across from the infirmary um one question wouldn't it be safest for specials uh to all be on zoom unless they be they can be conducted outside to limit who is going in and out of the classroom and um i do know that the current guidance from the Colorado Department of Public Health is what's important is to limit how many adults students come in contact. It's actually more important than cohort size. There actually aren't limits on cohort size, but you don't want students to come in con close contact with more than four adults a day. So we've redesigned the special schedule that some specials will be delivered in person if they're not gonna go over the four model, the specials that make sense. Um, and for other specials, they will be zooming in. Um, for our learning support, for example, for Chelsea, it makes sense for her to zoom in to give that support because that way she doesn't have to wear a mask. And since she's going to be providing literacy support, we want her to not have to wear a mask. So it's going to really depend on what to what makes sense for how the specials are gonna be delivered. Kindergartners, and I'm just gonna say this, and everybody's on mute who can um, correct me right now, so you guys are gonna have to raise your hand and wave them if I'm saying it wrong. Kindergartners are the only population that are gonna to go to the specials classroom and have specials. Nope, I'm saying it wrong, see? Okay, Anne, unmute yourself and now you have to go. It's what you get. Okay, so um, we are, we did divide up specials by specials classes that made sense for um, students to travel to them versus the specials teacher traveling to the classroom. Um, and because we had to divide the classrooms into two different cohorts for specials to make those, the sizes, the specials classes small enough that they were going to be effective specials classes, um, we would quickly run out of room. And it doesn't really make sense to have PE in the classroom when we have this amazing huge gym and field that we can have PE. So there will be certain specialist classes that the students will always travel to, such as PE, such as art, um, where we can safely have the students um, have the specialist class in that space. What Ann said is the answer. And it might change, like I said, between now and then. So we are being really thoughtful and really being mindful. It's really about that adult contact and really limiting that we don't go over that in any one day. All right. 
there were a few questions about Carline for three-year-olds. And I will tell you, you guys are right. That was a bad idea for some kids. So here's an opportunity on how we get flexible on our end. So we're going to make some adjustments to our arrival plans for um, to allow parents to park and walk in their youngest primary students uh, to the gate by the Welcome Center. That, that gate there is where that will happen, uh, hopefully to allow for happy transitions, if that's better for you than Carline. I also know that there are some kids, those second siblings, who have been eagerly anticipating their joy of doing carline so it's really going to de depend on what your family wants to do if you're going to do carline or not um, so we do need to make some adjustments uh, not by much to arrival times for primary and toddler families to allow us to use the parking lot uh, twice we don't have enough spaces in that lot to accommodate both populations to use it at the same time so stay tuned I don't think it's going to be by a lot but that is one thing that we are going to adjust to give some time for three-year-old parents to be able to park unbuckle their kid and walk them up to the gate so phase in I know we all keep saying this but that phase in time is really going to allow us to really figure out how long arrivals and dismissals are actually going to take with the new system and what's going to make make sense my hope is that over time our windows from for arrival and dismissal can get a little bit smaller because they're going to be a real bummer in bad weather for them for the staff that have to be out there three times a day to kind of man these very intricate operations so Speaking of Carline, will Wi-Fi across campus be expanded due to needing to use the School Pass app and there is a lack of cell service in Carline parking lot? I agree. My AT&T service is terrible at MSD. Um, we are working on boosting our Wi-Fi with Alario, who are our technology partners. And like I said, you can complete your health screening before you come to campus. And we will have staff members on iPads that when you arrive, they'll be punching in your car line number. So we're not going to completely rely on your cell phone to um, check if you're in um, on campus. All right. So now, oh my goodness, Ashley, I'm doing so terrible on time. There are a lot more questions to come and I'm mindful of the time. So I'm going to pick the ones because I get to and what I'm going to answer. I will tell you that the chat is open. So for those of you that are sending chat questions to Ashley, our plan is to kind of take like the top 10 categories and we'll send a follow up of those answers next week. So if I didn't get to your specific question, um, don't lose hope. Um, one of you guys is really excited about all the different platforms we use, BlackBot, SchoolPass, Virtual Campus, Transparent Classroom, in addition to email. Is there any way to streamline these systems into one so it's not as cumbersome and time consuming? Personally, I haven't seen the benefit of Transparent Classroom, so it seems like it could be eliminated from the mix. Definitely at the end of the last school year, when we were distance learning, virtual uh, transparent classroom wasn't helpful because really that's a communication tool of what's happening in the room. And I think if we're in-person learning, it's a really helpful tool because you guys won't be able to come into the classroom and talk to the teacher and learn like what the hundred board's all about. So if we're in person, we'll probably still use that to some extent. If we're distance learning, that one will go away. Blackbot, you would make the admin team so sad if that one went away. That's actually our registrar system. It's how we have track health forms, all kinds of stuff. Ashley has learned so much about it. All that knowledge would go to waste if we got rid of it. It's really heavy use at the very beginning part of the year and it helps with directories. But after that, you're not gonna be using it as much. 
really virtual classroom we're going to be building out more and that will be where we place distance learning resources for toddler through lower elementary families. Upper L and middle school are going to use Schoology, but we're hoping everybody else is on virtual campus. You're not looking around for Zoom links and that kind of information. So I agree it's frustrating. And there's some genius person out there that is currently developing the software to combine all of this into one system, and it currently does not exist, to my knowledge. And believe me, I've been solicited by like 8,000 vendors in the time of COVID on how they think they could be more helpful, but no one's done this yet. Okay, will there be adjustments to the workbound expectations? Yes, stay tuned. Obviously, if you can't be on campus, then we're, we can't penalize you for not volunteering. Uh, during green level uh, says community events and gatherings will still be held. We don't like that. We actually have zero plans to hold community gatherings or events right now that would mix cohorts that would undo all the hard work we're doing in the morning. If I, you know, if times change and we're able to have them, we would love to have them. But right now there are zero plans. So we would let you guys know if we were doing any kind of gathering. Um, what are the current class sizes at the different levels? Toddler has 14, primary has 20, lower L has 23, upper L has 23, and middle school in total, six, seven, and eight has 46. Uh, will there be extra masks available for children whose masks don't fit well or don't stay on? What will be the process if a student is not able to keep their mask on? Uh, yes, we will have extra masks on hand. We've ordered them. Um, we will set up areas and times where students can take mass breaks safely. And once again, our experience during phasing is really gonna guide us on how best to do this work. I mean, we've, we, we have not kept masks on 23 to six year olds yet. So we're gonna be learning a lot in the next few weeks. Ooh, given the information you have, how likely do you think it is that school will open to be able to remain open for in-person learning during the fall semester? Mm, I do not have my crystal ball. Fauci's not calling me. What I always am is hopefully optimistic um, and also have 8,000 different contingency plans now. Um, I do know the distance learning worked um, as well as it did because the students had established relationships with their teachers. So they were able to build on those in a distance way. So as much in-person learning and contact as we can have is really important to be able to make distance learning as successful as, we, as it can be. So my hope is that we're all there um, in person. Um, get the time. Okay. I'm just going to follow up. Okay. Let me just answer this one and then just, okay. Um, if zero visitors, parents are allowed on campus to prevent spread of germs, will the parent meetings on August 24th, 25th be held virtually? If not, it would seem to pose a risk. So, the rule actually is that we're imposing is that parents are not allowed on campus once school is in session. That means students are in class from working. I'm interpreting family orientation as school is not currently in session. And it is critical, I believe, for you to be able to get into the classrooms, to talk with your teachers, and to have that experience. Because once school starts, you're not going to be able to get in the classrooms and do that. So we're going to do this as safely as we possibly can, meaning you're going to sign up for times to come in and visit. We're going to be doing distancing. You're going to have to wear masks. Um, and the classrooms obviously are going to be cleaned and disinfected before the students 
enter into the spaces. So this is kind of like the one chance to get everybody on campus. Um, okay, one question about lunch bunch. Yes, um, we think that can happen because we can deliver that by cohorts. Okay, there are some questions about cohorts and how many and what. I believe that phase in, we are starting with cohort sizes of half the classroom and 100% of the staff, right? So toddlers are starting with a cohort size of seven, primary is starting with a cohort size of 10, lower L is starting with a cohort size about, of about 12, same for upper, and then middle school, you guys are starting with half as well. So 21, says Carrie. Two, 12. Yeah, okay. It was backwards. Um, so after three weeks, our hope is that those two cohorts form into one cohort and we're back to delivering one classroom population at a time with the staff. We're going to have to be flexible. If we go through phases and we're like, whoa, we're not quite sure how we're going to be able to like 20 might be too much or it might be enough. My challenge is and my thinking, I'm just being totally honest with you guys, is how do you run a program if you split into two cohorts and they're both on campus at the same time for, let's say, toddlers? Let's say you have seven and seven. At some point, they have to use the same bathroom. So those are the questions that we really need to run through and figure out how all of this um, works and plays out once we actually get there and start going. So, okay. Um, how is back to school night going to work? I am not sure yet. It's probably gonna be online and sadly there will be no tacos. So you guys will just have to bring your own tacos to virtual back to school night this year. All right, so in closing, um, one question was, how do the teachers feel about returning to campus? What are we doing to make sure the teachers and staff feel safe when they return? So I wanted to save time to answer this one because in many ways, it's probably um, one of the most important questions of the night. So to answer, I have been hosting weekly Zoom meetings with the staff this summer to keep us all updated on our planning work and to get their feedback and answer their questions. Um, I shared actually this question specifically uh, this morning on our Zoom because we meet at 10 o'clock on Thursdays on Zoom um, and asked for any volunteers to give me an answer to the question one of you guys posed. And I have two um, submissions that I want to read to you now. Uh, MSD has done tremendous work around making sure teachers and staff feel comfortable and safe coming back to school. With health and safety of children and community members as their number one priority, MSD is taking good care to answer all of the hard questions and think of the many possible scenarios that could play out. As a teacher, it has been a challenge at times to think about delivering a quality educational experience with the added pressure of implementing safety guidelines. However, with the support of admin, these concerns have been addressed and planned for. Although we don't know what the future holds in terms of the pandemic, I'm confident in returning to work with the measures MSD set in place to keep your children and us safe. The way MSD takes care of its people and community is unparalleled. I knew when I started working at MSD that faculty and staff were kind, considerate, compassionate human beings doing good in the world. And through this entire pandemic, that has not changed. In fact, it has proven that despite our unknowns and challenges ahead, our community is one of the safest places to be. I'm grateful and fortunate to be part of a corner of the world that is making the most of a challenging situation and finding ways to bring joy and light to the world. And this one. Thank you for another really gracious and informative staff meeting. 
In light of you sharing a request to hear about returning to school, I wanted to pass along my two cents. Perhaps it's more meaningful to the parents in tonight's audience to hear from the lead teacher. I obviously don't think so, so I'm reading this to you now. So consider this more for your own encouragement on the extra hard days. I did tell people they could also just send me emails I could put in my folder that I needed to read if I was having a bad day. So she sent it in that way too. So the answer. Please know how eager I am to get back on campus and to engage with staff, parents, and most of all with the children. And that my heart is full of gratitude for the incredibly hard work that you, the admin team, and the faculty have done to plan for the ways forward. This fall will mark the start of my blank year at MSD. And I feel as excited and as privileged as ever as I look forward to meeting new families and to embarking on the wonderful work of building relations, relationships with the sweet little souls, as Aaron lovingly refers to them, that will enter the toddler village. No matter the age of an incoming or returning student, he or she will only be that age once. And there will only be one 2020-2021 school year. What a blessing to be part of these lives at such a time as this. Thank you for the devotion that goes beyond just meeting the meaning. meaning thank you for the Thank you for the devotion that goes beyond just meeting the minimum requirements for returning to campus, but for the ongoing care about well-being of staff, of, of staff members. It goes for on from there. And then for the second part of this question, what have I done to help staff feel safe about their return to campus? I've been open and transparent about our work, what is in our control and out of our control. And we have all worked to create a positive collaborative school culture that supports us all, good times and bad. I have asked others to help, to help me make sure we have all the PPE we need, clear masks, cloth masks that will be laundered, clean classroom air, solid cleaning and disinfecting procedures and plans, the HR support so that people know what to do if they need to take time off, help to ensure that we have great campus space to get out and use, and finally, your help too. Which leads me to the final question of the night. Question. Interpretation of quote common sense, they're varied at best. And the notion of individual responsibility is frightening to some families. Can we mandate a period of lockdown quarantine for MSD families in the two weeks prior to school, i.e. not traveling to or hosting guests from high transmission areas, no social gatherings without masks? So my answer, your partnership and compliance with the community expectations that are in the guidebook will keep the staff safe and your children too. And no, I have no interest or the capacity to mandate families lockdowns and then the necessary enforcement. I'm busy over the next few weeks getting our campus ready for everybody's arrival. My business is actually delivering a fantastic Montessori school and we are really gonna stick to doing that as best as we can. And we are a small community and I trust that if you do not abide by the community expectations and cause an outbreak at school or within your classrooms, you're gonna hear about it from your fellow parents. Pictures of crowded barbecues will be seen by somebody. Denver is small and MSD is even smaller. So please do your part. Don't send anyone to school sick or who you think might be getting sick. Keep your gatherings small and in keeping with the governor's guidelines. Tonight, tomorrow morning, reread the community expectations that are in the guidebook. 
If you do not think you can commit to them, please opt into distance learning. I really do not want MSD, MSD to be in the news as the first Denver independent school to close for COVID. You all collectively have the power to keep us all safe and as unnewsworthy as possible. So please do your part. Also know that I do not shrink from having difficult conversations if it comes to that, where somebody is not at hold their end and has not kept our community safe. So I'll do it on the back end and not the front end. So just do your part and keep us all safe. Um, we are over by about five and a half minutes. So all the chats that went unanswered tonight, we will compile, I promise. The answers to questions that I got that I didn't have time to read, um, we will send out as well. Tomorrow, you will get your phase-in schedule, back-to-school supplies, all kinds of good stuff. I promise it will be uh, posted on Blackboard, Blackbird, Blackbod, um, before your weekend starts. So I told Tara that means 11.59 on my book, but she's committed to get it in uh, much earlier than that. So um, in closing, I thank all of you guys for your partnership and your flexibility. Um, if chat closes and you aren't able to get something in, please send it in. I do anticipate we'll probably have another one of these before we get the school year started. In closing, once again, please do circle August 10th on your calendar as the time that you're gonna get real good about what you're doing and who you're hanging out with. So I have nothing else. So I will bid you all an adieu. So good night, everybody. Go wash your hands. <laughs>